the, the biggest thing for these campaigns for us is direct mail is not so much a tactic. It's a part of an overall strategy. And people like to think, like, what should I send? Like, what, what's going to work? And it has to work within the framework of what you want to accomplish, the message you want to get across. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. I'm Alicia Esposito, Senior Content Strategist for Demand Gen Report, and I'm really excited to introduce today's session because it features our very own Brian Anderson. This was his first time on the stage, and it was a really awesome discussion featuring Bailey Roberts of Conga and Daniel Lambert, who's with Rev, but formerly of CareCloud. And during this discussion, they really dug deep into the direct mail trend. And based on my research so far, there's been a lot of high-level trend insights, best practices, a lot of commentary, but not a lot of real-life applications and success stories. Well, this session changes all of that. Bailey and Daniel talk not just about why they decided to embrace direct mail, but how. And I have to say, the campaigns they came up with were really creative. They found really fun and interesting ways to show target buyers that they really understood not just their professional needs and thoughts, but their personal lives as well. So give it a listen, because I think that they really took a really fun and interesting approach to this budding trend, and will hopefully get you to think outside the creative box a little bit if you do decide to embrace direct mail. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Really excited to be here to be chatting with you folks about direct mail. I'm a content guy, so I like to talk about content. I love all the conversations around RevOps, MarkOps, alignment, people, processes, technology, that sort of thing. But when it comes down to creating pretty damn good content, it's important, especially in the direct mail space here. Um, seeing an odd resurgence in direct mail as of right now. Um, it's uh, really intriguing, especially now, in, in my opinion, with covering the space for Demand Gen Report for the past five years. It's just interesting to see how we're kind of, the pendulum is swinging back to, we're inundating folks with messages, and now we're finding these unique ways, these unique channels, such as direct mail, to provide personalized customer experiences uh, with your prospective customers and target accounts. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. I'm happy you're all here. To introduce myself, I'm Brian Anderson. I am an editor with Demand Gen Report, and apparently I need a new headshot. Um, <laughs> but I'll make that as a to-do list for later on down the line. I'm happy to have two of the smartest people I know up on stage with me today. Um, first off, we have uh, Danny Lambert here. He's the Marketing Ops Manager at RevOps, and also with me we have uh, Bailey Roberts, who is the Field Marketing Manager at Conga. Uh, first off, I want to do a little bit of an introduction, uh, kind of uh, opening up uh, to the crowd here. So, uh, Danny, what, just provide a little bit about what you're doing at uh, Rev now, what you've done in the past, and what your experience is with direct mail. Yeah, absolutely. So now I'm the Marketing Operations Manager at Rev. Uh, some of you probably used us. We're the leader in uh, transcription services, translation, closed captioning, etc. cetera. Uh, but before that, I was working in the healthcare IT space for a company called CareCloud. Uh, so if any of you were in the last session where PatientPop was up, we worked very closely with them. Uh, we also marketed towards independent physician groups. And as many of you may know, the last time you went into a doctor's office, 
It's uh, very antiquated. A lot of times they don't have a lot of uh, digital technologies. They're not really catching up with the times. Uh, so in working there on the demand gen team, we really needed to implement something tactile because it would get through to these independent physician groups that are kind of outdated, not really on top of all of it. Uh, so we started working through that at a very basic level, which we'll get into, uh, just trying to do some demand generation, see if it could work for us, and we immediately got traction. And then from there, we started finding a variety of different strategies and tactics that we could use within direct mail uh, to help scale uh, our programs and also do like very omni-channel and customized programs into these large independent physician groups. Thanks for being here. Really do appreciate it. And Bailey, let's uh, hear a little bit about what you've been uh, doing with Conga and what, you've, uh, what your experience is with direct mail. Absolutely. So um, I'm Bailey Roberts. I'm the field marketing manager at Conga. We are the world leader in the digital document transformation space, um, which is a really fancy way of saying. <laughs> we, Quite fancy. Yeah, thank you. Um, we, any document that you have in your business, whether it be a contract or just random PDFs, we digitize all of it. And um, we have this really cool AI tool that sorts through all of it, so it helps legal teams be able to find specific clauses and swap them out and take processes that used to take days and reduce it to minutes. Yeah. Um, it's an awesome product. We have like 11 different products that allude more to the sales and marketing space, but the biggest one that we have um, is that contract lifecycle management. Um, I also worked at Sigster, my old little alma mater that's out there. Please go say hi to them. They're awesome. Um, that's where I started the, the direct mail gig, and I got introduced to the Sendoso team and really started to ramp up direct mail, and it started making a really huge impact. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Excellent, excellent. Happy to have you here. Uh, before we jump right into the, deep, uh, into the conversation, I want to kind of just get a quick show of hands from the folks out in the room. How, how many folks have, have incorporated direct mail into their uh, current go-to-market initiatives? That's a good amount. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's awesome. a lot of people. That's good. And how many folks are uh, still trying to figure out how to incorporate it and are just trying to get a better understanding of it? Excellent. Excellent. So we're we going to try to talk. experts then, I guess. Yeah. So, so we're going to have to dive into the nitty gritty now. This, yeah. You know, right. Great. Good stuff. So um, let's uh, start up at the top. One of the things that we've noticed at the publication uh, demand gen report is that with direct mail as a tactic, now the way that technology has evolved and made things easier to go from physical to digital, that it has been extremely uh, beneficial to start incorporating direct mail in reasonable ways, not just for you know, onboarding customers or, or that sort of thing, or uh, super duper like uh, lead nurturing initiatives, but it actually throughout the entire funnel, there is, uh, there is some sort of value prop to a direct mail initiative. Uh, Danny, I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about um, some of the last projects that you've been working on from a direct mail perspective and uh, how basically they were uh, helping your team uh, engage prospects throughout the fall. Yeah, I think you said something interesting there too is like how direct mail has kind of had a resurgence. And sometimes I look at B2C marketers and influencers, particularly on YouTube and other channels, and think, wow, they're so much better at what we do than what we do. Um, because every day I'll be at home and I'll be getting coupons in the mail from like Sephora and my girlfriend will go nuts, right? And she'll use it immediately and I'm like, this is so effective for them. It's amazing how cyclical certain things are within B2B marketing uh, that have probably always been effective. We've just either not done them well or they've gotten too popular and we forget about them. Um, but for us, it was kind of that MVP approach where we realized that we needed to do something tactile but we didn't want to do a huge upfront investment. Uh, so we did it ourselves, which is one of the first reasons why we started to go with a partner like Sendoso who could manage it all, is we did this large campaign uh, called Paint Your Own Canvas. And the strategy behind it was we wanted 
we're releasing a new platform at, at uh, CareCloud that we wanted people to feel that they could uh, be involved in the development process, have a hand in what they need to see in our new platform as opposed to us just selling them some off-the-shelf software so they could paint the canvas with us. And in building this by ourselves, doing all these canvases, doing all these handwritten notes, packaging them, sending them, and then having zero tracking, we realized a couple of things is this is a ton of work, but then at, when we got the responses, we realized, wow, this is extremely effective for mm -hmm. us. We're getting meetings in the C-suite at these large independent groups that before wouldn't even pick up the call, wouldn't answer an email. And then from that moment forward, it was like, all right, how can we automate this? How can we track this better? Because now the, the C-suite has buy-in. They know that we can do something effective using direct mail, and now we need to be able to scale this out. Uh, so then we onboarded Sendoso and started doing some more interesting campaigns. But I think probably the most notable, uh, how many of you owned uh, VCR in the 90s? Raise your hand. How many of you have been to Blockbuster? Keep your hands up. So <laughs> the, the biggest thing for these campaigns for us is direct mail is not so much a tactic. It's a part of an overall strategy. And people like to think, like, what should I send? Like, what, what's going to work? And it has to work within the framework of what you want to accomplish, the message you want to get across. And a lot of the messaging we've been doing to these large organizations didn't break through because they're super set in these antiquated ways. Like, we're a cloud-based system. They're server-based. And we needed to break that mold. So we wanted to draw that parallel between Netflix and this over-the-top media completely wrecking the business model that Blockbuster provided. So we ordered a bunch of VHS tapes, and then we got uh, Sendoso to print custom labels and put our logo on them and write handwritten notes to all these people, drawing the comparison between, imagine what would happen to your business if you thought like Blockbuster did in the 90s and you just got completely ruined by this new wave of technology. Um, and that campaign for us had like a 40% demo book rate, uh, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, we have really long sales cycles, multiple months. People are locked into three years' contracts. So the revenue that comes from that can take a while. But just getting those initial conversations within those big buyers was, was huge. Yeah, th those types of programs, it's not one of those like, once, like you, you set it up and it's instantly making money for you. It's, it's, it's a relationship builder and it's, it, it could be the major aspect of a campaign or it could be a supporting aspect for your sales team to close uh, even bigger deals. Um, and that's kind of uh, what we've talked about, Bailey, in the past. Uh, there was one program that caught my eye um, that we discussed uh, about how you were using direct mail to uh, support a deal um, involving foster dogs. Uh, it would be, and can you share a little bit about that and what that entailed? Absolutely. So we, so whenever we have really big deals, or whenever we would have really big deals, we would sit down with the sales team that was working that deal, and we would kind of have this little, I don't want to say stalking, that's not the right word for it, but like Probably social media research hour. Mm -hmm. um, so we would try to find out a lot about the person. So and then obviously we would make sure that these things were brought up somehow. Mm -hmm. Uh, throughout the sales cycle. So we found out one of our biggest deals that we'd ever come across, the woman who was our champion, she was very, very passionate about being um, a foster dog parent. And she has a dog with three legs and she posts about it on social media all the time, like loves, loves, loves talking about it. So during the sales cycle, we kind of reached an inevitable little stale part where yeah. you're like, are you still there? Like, are you still interested? Hello? Um, and we sent her a BarkBox subscription. And we specifically sent it to her dog and to all the other foster dogs. And we got pictures of everyone in the office's dogs and put it on this postcard and said that it was from them to that dog. And I'm like, the turnaround time between when we sent that and when that deal closed was absurd. 
And it was, it was something that was really special and a lot of fun for us, and it definitely took a lot of work. We had to have our designer go take pictures of everyone's dogs in the office and then do this whole design. I mean, it was a lot of work, but it was so worth it because it was so impactful for her. And she actually moved companies and then reached out to us again yep. because she felt so good, not just about the product, but about working with us as a team. And it's because we took that extra step and it was the direct mail piece, was the sole reason that deal closed. Yeah, it's definitely unique and it's one of the easier ways to you know, get out of the inbox, get out of the, the more traditional uh, channels that mm -hmm. um, many sort of uh, vendor buyer uh, conversations and, uh, and those sorts of things are happening and being able to you know, become relatable, be able mm -hmm. to connect the brand uh, to your buyer and being able to do that, that was a really unique uh, approach to that. One of the other things with uh, a lot of the programs that you do is it's, it, it's, the goal is to be memorable, but to stay top of mind with these folks. And if you're not top of mind, to re regain that top of mindness mm -hmm. with them. Um, you've done everything from like this BarkBox subscription to you know champagne and cookies to folks and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. How, what's that process look like when uh, you're going through the assessment of, okay, these are the folks I want to target. What are we going to send them? What's going to actually be of value to them mm -hmm. and not just going to be something that's inundating their physical mailbox instead of any other bo boxes that you could be <laughs> messaging them? Yeah. Um, so the main thing, and this is going to sound so ridiculous, but is to make it fun. Like to, in order for it to be memorable, I'm not going to send somebody, and no offense if anybody has done this, oh my gosh, no offense, but like if <laughs> I, I don't want to just send them something that you can just pick up at a booth. Like I don't want to send them a phone charger. I want to send them something that is different and fun and unique. And we had carolers show up at someone's house one time because they said that they were out of town for Christmas and they missed carolers and they set it on a call. And so we were like, oh, okay, well, we're going to get carolers to go to this person's office and go sing to them. And like things like that, like just remembering little things and just going out and doing something fun and different. Yeah, definitely agree there. Danny, one of the conversations that we've had around this topic is like the whole idea around what's working. A lot of the, and especially at this type of an event, we like to get into the nitty gritty of how to put these types of programs together, identify what works, and more importantly, learn from other folks' failures and being able to fail fast, that sort of thing. So when it comes to the direct mail programs that you've produced um, in past, uh, in, in past uh, past lives and what you're planning on doing with Rev. What are some things that just didn't work for you and how did you identify those hurdles and overcome them? Yeah, things that definitely didn't work. Um, well, first is like process-wise, doing it all manually definitely didn't work. Like the bandwidth and the money that we spent actually producing this and sending it ourselves cost far more than it would have, would have been beneficial for us. Um, and the tracking that you get there, like the, the APIs now are the whole reason I feel like this has gotten as much traction as it has is because now you can track uh, direct mail almost as effectively, if not as effectively, as your digital channels. Um, so that being able to happen has really helped us like make our business case for it um, and get away from doing it manually because that was too much work. Uh, the other thing 
that we found that really didn't work was um, trying to do too large of batch sizes that weren't around a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we're going to a trade show, that's a pretty good reason for us to send personalized direct mail with one message to everyone, you know, like a, a large group of people and they'd understand it. But if you're trying to do that within your ABM, you know, tier A, B, and C, or one, two, and three, and you're just trying to blanket all of them in hopes that it'll be effective, uh, it probably won't be. And that was what we found in the first couple of sends. We tried to just tweak the messaging a very little bit for everyone and think that it would work, right. and that, that was a definite loss for us right out of the gates. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's clear that, especially when you're sending carolers to people's houses, <laughs> it's a, it, 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 there's a big investment when it comes to these types of, uh, these types of programs, but obviously there's got to be a lot of research, there has to be a lot of insights mm -hmm. gathered, and, and it has to, the messaging has to stick in order for these things to succeed. And obviously, being able to fail fast, understand what you're doing wrong, and be able to continue to grow and scale these types of programs is uh, the only way to move forward with succeeding with this type of a, a tactic and a go-to-market initiative. Uh, Danny, one, one of the other things that we were talking about, and you kind of touched on it here, going from the manual process to the more automated process where we're able to, you know, it, it's more seamless and it's not, it's not feeling more ad hoc uh, in comparison to other, uh, other um, programs and campaigns that your team's formulating. So what was the scaling process like? like? What were the conversations you were having with your team in order to ensure that you were able to scale? And, what, and more importantly, like the conversations with the higher-ups, because obviously marketing's talking about programs, and obviously oftentimes marketing is seen as a cost center. So what do those conversations look like with the higher-ups, and, and how do you present that this is bringing value not only to your marketing team and, uh, and to your sales reps, but to the business as a whole? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, because at CareCloud in particular, we were responsible for a percentage of revenue, and we're allotted a given budget, so any decision made there, you have to prove that wherever you're putting that budget now is going to have a higher ROI than any other channel that you could added into. So it started out with just proving ROI in demand gen, which is always the easiest because more leads, the salespeople are happy, they'll speak on your behalf. But then once you start to scale it out, there's a lot of quick wins. Uh, like in pipeline velocity situations, when you start to see certain things happen in deals, um, a lot of that will come about with a certain field being set in Salesforce, so then being added to a certain campaign. And there are certain touches that can um, on a scalable way, uh, advance a deal, right? So I can allow my salespeople to have $200 a month to spend each, however they choose, on any one of their deals. That helps a lot. Right? It takes the power out of my hands and into theirs to say, if any of your deals are frozen or you're having trouble breaking through, here are a couple packages we pre-set up that you can send based on what's worked in the past, and then you can send them. So then, you know, that's scaling on their side. Other things that we do is, like, if opportunities are closed, lost, We'll think about how long it has to take them to go through the sales conversations with other vendors and then automatically start sending things to them when that buying cycle would come to a, a, new, uh, a new head. So it'd be like, how did your conversations go? We know you may have lost to X, Y, and Z. How did that work out? Did the implementation go well? Here's you know, a gift that goes along with, with something we know about them. Mm -hmm. um, so the power is kind of in knowing what has worked in the past and then making it scalable for your sales organization to use when they need to and then having the marketing automation team handle the stuff that they wouldn't be handling. Yeah. It's really interesting when it comes to just that whole entire process of ensuring that not only you're able to point to past success and be like, this has worked, we need to you know, double down on this and, and try to continue to be unique in our, in our messaging and how we're engaging with prospects, but also being able to 
ultimately set up that process, have that communication with uh, your sales department, with your marketing department uh, internally to be able to say, you know, this is, this is a unique way and an, and an interesting way to go about engaging with prospects. But one of the other things that is always to come up at a marketing tech conference is the idea around measurement and, and obviously being a natively physical, in-person type of uh, tactic, it, it, it can uh, be a little daunting to find the right way to measure success with these types of programs. So Bailey, when it comes to m measurement and, and being able to measure the success of these programs um, and being able to put like a revenue ROI dollar amount to those carolers that you're sending to people, like what does that look like with your team and how is it ultimately going from physical to digital back into your tech system and that sort of thing? Absolutely. So one of the really hard things about developing these incredible experiences for people is because is you can't quantify like the warm and fuzzies. Like you can't, there's no number that you can attach to something like that. Um, and Conga didn't really do direct mail before I joined the team. And so we kind of went through um, a little A-B testing for me to prove my point. So we ran a cadence um, of one group of contacts and another group of contacts, same group. We just split it down the middle, same list. Um, one list got just the regular cadence. They ran it through their regular process. The other cadence, we kicked it off with a direct mail piece through Sendoso where we customized a box that said, let us take a bite out of your contracts process. And we sent cookies. And then we had a Terminus ad that had this exact same graphics and had the cookie graphic on there. And then we had a Vidyard video that it kicked off with that said like, hey, like hope you enjoyed those cookies. And that campaign is the single highest producing campaign that Conga has ever run in its 15 years of existence. And so that was something where we kind of had to do a proof of concept because they didn't know how different it would be with direct mail. So we had our baseline, and then we had these numbers. And thanks to all of the integrations and all of the everything that we can track through Sendoso, we were able to see like, hey, look, this campaign went through here, and this is how much money we were able to generate. Hmm. And, and the analytics piece of that was so much more helpful than just trying to be like, well, I think it worked. Yeah. Like, yeah. we sent carolers and they, they might have closed. I'm not sure. Yeah, and so. that's the last thing you want to do is just said we just sent carolers to their house. <laughs> Don't know if it worked. Yeah. So it's be a little weird. Yeah. I want to ask uh, you, Danny, about that as well. It's kind of unique, uh, unique circumstance you're in going to uh, rev.com from CareCloud, having uh, a different experience when it comes to, you know, practicing direct mail there and, and starting to you know build up that type of a program at Rev. So what does that measurement process look like? Is anything changing, uh, any unique changes to the way that you're approaching measurement um, in that transition? Yeah, I think the most important part when you're trying to measure it is knowing what you can afford to spend to acquire a customer and knowing whether or not direct mail makes sense for you or not, right? If your widget's like $10, right. you're probably not going to be sending a whole bunch of direct mail. Um, and that's kind of adjusting our strategy now at Rev because our customer lifetime value is a little bit lower. So right. we have to factor that into the kind of campaigns that we want to run and how effective we are at activating people. But our conversion rates and our sales cycles are drastically lower. Right. And the one thing that I really enjoy about direct mail now is how flexible it can be within the systems that you have in place. If you have a multi-touch attribution system, 
and you integrate with Salesforce and you use campaigns, you can report on direct mail in the exact same way that you report on any of your digital channels. So like the second we send anything to anyone, it'll update the campaign member status in Salesforce. When it's been delivered, it'll automatically add them into outreach and it'll be in our salespeople's cadence before they even get into work. Mm -hmm. And then once they, they reach out to them, it'll advance them. And then when they close, it'll identify that too. And then you'll see that direct mail touch point in the context of the entire buyer's journey. Because it's not fair to look at direct mail alone, which I feel like some people do. Right. And be like, but this deal's because of direct mail. No, this deal's because of everything. And if you can put that in there with the trade shows and the digital ads and, and everything else, you have a comprehensive ROI, not just, I think this direct mail had this impact on this deal. Yeah, it's definitely not just like a standalone thing. Everything has to support one another to for the common goal, which is to provide a meaningful and relevant and contextual customer experience. And, that's the end goal for all of it. So uh, it's been great chatting with you folks about this and um, always great to learn a little bit more about how people are doing it right and even learning more about uh, unique different approaches to the types of direct mail that you can send as well as uh, the approaches to scaling as well as measurement. But uh, with the last uh, couple of minutes that we have here, let's uh, uh, have some closing thoughts, um, especially since a lot of the folks in the room seem to have um, been using uh, direct mail as a tactic. What, what what types of uh, final thoughts and tweetable takeaways would you share with these folks that are looking to you know, continue to grow uh, that sort of tactic within their go-to-market strategy? I'll let, um, I'll let uh, Bailey go first. Yeah. Um, so the single biggest thing and the best thing that I ever did for our company was getting the help, was to use software as opposed to doing it myself because they used to make jokes at the office that I was the box lady because I would constantly be walking around with the huge thing of scotch tape and like trying to ship things out and trying to do it all on my own. Um, but once, and, and that's just not scalable, like you said. And I think it is, it's an investment, but it's so worth it and it makes such a colossal impact. Um, I think that that's the single biggest thing that I can say because tr trying to do it by yourself is so noble and it's so great and it's an awesome first step. But once you kind of look elsewhere and start utilizing other software, that's where you can like really, really make an impact. Danny, what about you? Um, one of the biggest advantages that we had is direct mail for us is really just to support our sales team. Right? It's not to send out cool things and win awards, it's to make them more effective at their jobs. And the biggest thing that we can do when we're sending out a lot of direct mail is help them prioritize that outreach in the context of everything else that goes on in their world. They have inbound leads, they have outbound prospecting, and then now this, which in the past then would be relatively cold, oh, we sent them something, I don't know whether or not that's warm enough to put in front of an inbound leader, to put in front of X, Y, and Z. Um, and for those of you who have sent direct mail here, how many of you use pearls, personalized URLs? I see one in the back, maybe a couple here. Uh, that was the biggest change for us. So a personalized URL, uh, which is a lot of these like B2C companies who do it really well, and if you study them, it, it makes your direct mail much more effective, is instead of sending you know, rev.com backslash whatever, it will have a personalized URL for every single person that receives it. It's super inexpensive, but what it allows you to do is then if that person visits that URL, you can immediately tell, all right, this person at this account absolutely has received it and has taken some sort of action. And then for our sales team, that improves their lead score and prioritizes who they should work based on who's actually taken that step. And then once they do that, it gets baked into the lead scoring model of pages that they visit, things that they've done, because now we're able to track them 
on both a digital and a physical landscape. And then the next portion is everyone that we confirmed got delivery, right? And then everyone that, that we didn't confirm delivery and got rejected. So for them, they can now show up at their computer in the morning and say, this person received it and visited the URL, is maybe on the site right now, you know, using Drift or whatever reverse IP lookup. And you have a very comprehensive model of who that campaign is affecting right now. Right. And then second tier and then third tier. So for them, they really found that extremely valuable because they know, all right, this person's taking an action. I'm not just calling them up and they don't know anything about me. And that's a, a really big win, both for the sales and marketing relationships. So they know you're not just, you know, blowing smoke, but but also for them to prioritize their days. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I really do appreciate you folks taking the time to uh, share your thoughts and expertise with us. And thank you to everybody uh, for for joining us today. We hope this uh, information was insightful for you. Um, we are going to be in the back of the room. If you have any uh, questions for us, feel free to come and chat because we love talking about this stuff, and we'll be more than happy to chat about it with you. So. All right, have a great rest of the day. All right, can we get a round of applause? Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. To receive future episodes, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're hungry for more B2B best practices, join us at the 2020 B2B Marketing Exchange, coming to Scottsdale, Arizona, from February 24th to 26th. You'll have access to more than 100 sessions focused on content marketing, demand gen, ABM, and so much more. Save 25% on your pass by using discount code B2BPOD. That's B2BPOD. We hope to see you there.